Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for Refresh and the D stands for Discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Dawn Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Ronnie. And I'm Dawn. And today we're talking about the power of learning your reading taste. So figuring out if a book is a good book or a bad book or a just not for you book or just not for you right now. Um, So Dawn, a lot of us, when we're looking for, you know, is it going to be a good book for us when we're trying to purchase a book is we go read reviews. So do you read reviews before you buy a book or is that not your process? I read reviews if I'm on the fence about the book. If I read the blurb and the blurb intrigues me, then normally I'll just go ahead and get the book without looking at the reviews. If I'm reading it and I'm kind of reading the blurb and I'm kind of thinking, okay, I'm not sure about this. This feels like it could have a cliffhanger or it could be an unreliable narrator or it's not exactly what I think I'm looking for. Then I'll kind of skim through the reviews. Mm -hmm. But mostly I depend a lot more on personal recommendations. If somebody I know and trust tells me I'm going to like this book, Or if somebody I know and love, but their reading taste doesn't match up with mine, tells me I'm going to like this book, then I kind of go off of that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And we'll talk about that a little later that we kind of have readers, twins um, and ones that are like our opposites that we can count on. Oh, if they hated that book, I'm going to love that book because they have opposite tastes. Um, I'm trying lately. I tend to read reviews before buying a book, but I'm trying a new thing. I talked about it in my newsletter. If you're a newsletter subscriber, but um, I feel like most reviews on most books are an average of four stars, sometimes a little below four, sometimes a little above. And you usually have the same mix of raving reviews from people that love that author. And then like the one review that's like, this book sucks and is the worst thing that was ever written. Um, And they're not really all that helpful. And the other bad part is I end up getting spoilers or it'll say something about it that makes me not want to read the book when I might've actually enjoyed the book because it might not be accurate because as authors and editors, we can enjoy assure you that many reviews have completely inaccurate information outside of opinion, just completely inaccurate information. Like it's very frustrating when it's your own book. Um, but so I know what happens to other authors. So lately I'm trying not to read reviews until after, um, I read the book to see if I can get a different experience when I'm reading a book, but we'll see how it goes. Cause it's hard not to just let your eyes drift to that review and, you know, see what's there. But, um, so speaking to that, learning your reading taste is what we're going to talk about today because really our time is precious. Our money is precious. And the better we can get at picking books for ourselves, the better our reading life is going to be. And we're not going to be wasting money or time. Cause you know, if you're getting books in the library, you're still wasting your time. Um, if you're trying to read books that you don't like. So Dawn, what are some of the ways that you make sure that you can kind of refine your reading taste? Do you have, um, do you go on book talk? Do you follow certain Instagrammers? What do you, do you do any of those things? Well, like I mentioned before, I usually depend on recommendations from people. And then I do like looking, I don't follow a whole lot of book bloggers, but I do like looking at bookstagram, um, mostly because they have really pretty pictures and they do these cool little layouts. And I'm like, that's awesome. Any of the pictures y'all see from me are just, I laid this on my desk and I took a picture, but they get all artsy with it. And then book talk. Okay. I'm not allowed to be on TikTok because I have college age children who are on TikTok and just feel that that's not a place their mom needs to be. (laughs) So I've said repeatedly that I'm going to join TikTok and make my username. Definitely not Michelle's mom, but (laughs) I have a very good friend who gets a kick out of sending me things from book talk because she reads some, in her words, crazy pants, banana books. <laughs> and so she will send uh, videos that these people make. And some of them are really fun. 
but there is a great community out there that is offering recommendations mm. and they'll tell you the tropes in the book and they'll tell you why they love it. Or they'll show you pictures of the really hot guys on the cover, which we know I am all a fan of. So I think those are some good places to look for your recommendations. And of course, you know, our podcast, we're right. awesome about that. Yes. And I definitely rely on podcasts. So I, listen to a number of different bookish podcasts. I feel like I've talked to them about them in previous episodes, but just to, there is a fire truck passing by you guys. We cannot explain to you how hard we work to try to get clean audio. All right. So I have walked my dog very aggressively to get him tired. So he's not barking today. They have construction now going on outside my window, which I've tried to avoid. My desk is now making a weird sound if I touch it. So I can't touch my desk. And now there's a fire, which I hope everybody's okay. So yes, yes. this is not the biggest problem with the fire truck, but I'm just saying we really do try you guys. We yes. Try. yes. Um, so Don't I'm- pull over. The fire truck is not behind you in your car. <laughs> so I'm going to talk through it. Um, but so the podcasts that I listen to and um, rely on for some recommendations are the Currently Reading podcast. They have um, a couple of different hosts, but they have two main hosts. I find that I line up um, more with Meredith of that podcast. Um, so if she recommends something, I usually know that it's a pretty good um, pick for me, not with romance. She's not romance, but for like mysteries and suspense and stuff. And then um, I also listen to Sarah's Bookshelves Live and our taste match up on some genres and then are opposite on others. So you can have your, I think this is from currently reading that they say you have your book twin or you have your book anti-twin and both are really valuable. So um, also books in the freezer if you are a horror reader. So they have good horror recommendations, but I rely on that almost exclusively lately for finding um, new books and new authors to me. Um, and you know, not just randomly uh, things that come into my inbox. So I, I rely more on that now, but Um, Well, and I'd be interested with our listeners and we might put this out on social media. So who is your book twin? Do you match with Ronnie or do you match with Dawn? Yeah. I'd love to know that. Or neither of us, maybe we both suck. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, I know if they recommend the book, don't buy it. Um, (laughs) So, and speaking to that of hating books or liking books, um, there are different versions of bad books. So like I mentioned in the intro, there are bad books. There are not for you books. And then there's not for you right now, but there's also, it's bad and you love it anyway. Right. (laughs) And when we're talking about these bad books, as we said, putting bad in air quotes, we're not going to be naming names. I mean, we just don't, we, because it's not always the same opinion of people and we Mm -hmm. don't want you not to pick up a book just because it didn't fit for us. So we won't be naming names. But what you're really seeing when you're talking about the really bad books, those are the books that are poorly edited usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is with typos or the plot completely doesn't make sense. You can't follow it. um, Or it's just, you know, very repetitive. So there are some legitimately badly written books. However, most other things outside of your typos and those structure issues and things it's really just a matter of opinion because somebody's one-star book is somebody else's five-star book. So when you look at those reviews on Amazon, like we were saying, sometimes it doesn't give you a lot of information because you don't know how you match up with that reviewer. So a lot of times I I can get reviews that say my books have too hot of sex in it. And I'm like, thank you for that negative review. That will sell more (laughs) books for me. I really appreciate that. Um, And then I'll have other ones that say there wasn't enough sex in it because they're reading my contemporaries versus my erotics, which there is a difference in the amount. So yeah, it's, it really is anybody has the right to love or hate any book. And there's no one, you know, thing out there that can say this is officially a good Yes. If you want to give a good, a book one star, because you felt that strongly about it, give specific information saying things like this book was trash. I can't believe this got published. You know, what was this author thinking? That doesn't tell me anything. Right. Tell me, did it have too much sex? Did it have too much violence? Did it not make sense? Did a random raptor appear in the middle of the Victorian (laughs) historical and this book took a hard left? Give me something to work with other than this book is trash. Who's writing that book? I want to know the raptor book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so 
it's okay if you don't agree with people's opinions and it's okay if you like books that are other people would call bad. Some people call the whole romance genre trash, right? Like, I mean, we hear that all the time. They just dismiss us. Like one of the biggest genres in the whole publishing industry gets dismissed as trash. Um, and then those same people go watch Bridgerton and obsess about yes. it and don't realize that <laughs> that was based on romance novels. Um, but whatever, you know, we're not bitter or anything. <laughs> um, but I love some books in movies, particularly that are bad in a good way. Like they're so bad. They're fun to read because it's just so outrageous or it's so over the top or so silly, like in romance, sometimes, especially old school romance, you know, like I was reading, um, devil's bride by Stephanie Lawrence. And, uh, that is considered one of the classics kind of in modern romance and the hero, like when we first meet him, he like rides up on this like black stallion and like the rain and everything. I'm like, of course he's riding a black stallion (laughs) horse and like just rumbles onto the page. Like it's amazing. And I'm not saying that's a bad book. You guys, I'm just saying like, I loved the like over the topness of it. So a lot of books will be like that in movies too. Um, I just bought a book literally called why it's okay to love bad movies. It's by Matthew Stroll, if anybody's interested, but um, like I watch bad horror movies I watched one called Chopping Mall the other day which I have seen oh my god seriously it's so bad (laughs) it's so ridiculous it's okay you guys ready for it it is killer mall robots so yes killer security robots (laughs) go nuts on these 80s kids who are staying overnight you know snuck into the mall to stay in the furniture store overnight um it's on hoopla from the library of all places but I put it on in the background one day when I was home and I was like, this is terrible. And it's amazing. (laughs) I'm going to sit here and watch every minute of it. Well, and I think that's why when we look back on some of these movies, especially because we are both big fans of eighties movies, but you look back on some of them, for example, uh, night at the comet, not sorry, night of the comet Mm -hmm. or license to drive. Mm-hmm. or those things that it's like oh it's so it's so terrible and that's why things get cult followings mm-hmm. is because and and not always of course some things are really they're really good right. but that's why it's this enjoyment of this isn't highbrow literary you know this isn't Dom Perignon this is definitely PBR beer and I'm still gonna drink it you know right, right. It's like the um, Rick Astley never going to give you up factor. Like yes. that, that song was like considered cheesy at the time, you know, and it was so cheesy that now to be Rick rolled is a thing, you know, and all of that right. with the videos. So um, bad can be And every fun. one of us can still sing it. I'm just right. saying we all <laughs> right. still know it. Right. So, um, and I will say that the Faded Mates podcast, which gives romance recommendations, they do a great job of talking about how much they love that bonkers banana stuff that happens in the romance genre, especially in the old school romances. So there's really true joy in how they go through those books and talk about, you know, the crazy things that happen. So if you do enjoy um, that kind of discussion, they do a really good job of it. But knowing what is truly bad for you versus um, what's just bad, fun, you know, bad in a fun way is different. So I'm going to define bad as we go through the rest of this podcast as unenjoyable. You want to find out what is unenjoyable to you so that you can avoid that because we need joy. We don't need sad. (laughs) So, well, and I think that's a great definition because we're all different. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of you defining it as unenjoyable because there are plenty of things in this world, such as jumping out of airplanes, right? Camping, holding snakes (laughs) that people other than me find enjoyable. And that's great for them, but it's not Mm -hmm. for me. Yes, I totally agree. My husband is a big roller coaster person, enthusiast. And I have had to explain to him early in our relationship. He's like, you'll have fun if you go and it'll be fine and blah, blah, blah. And I tried to go a couple of times. And at the end, I'm like, I do not enjoy this. I am miserable and terrified the whole time. I don't feel happy at the end. I'm not doing this anymore. He's like, okay, fine. But I do not find joy in that at all. So no role. Ronnie just described how I feel reading horror books, (laughs) which is why I don't push them onto Dawn. So, you know, it's, it's not for her. Speaking of which, um, if something is not for you or not for you right now can also be a good um, thing to consider in your reading life. Cause sometimes we pick up a book. It's the wrong time 
or we're in the wrong phase of life or just the wrong day. Today, me and Dawn are, we, we joked that we were going to call this the sick and tired podcast episode because Dawn has been sick for two days. I haven't slept in two days because of random things that have happened, like windstorms and dogs and crazy things. Um, but there are certain books I could not read today because it's going to not be for me right now because I'm too tired to focus on it. If I tried to pick up some intricately plotted suspense novel or some literary fiction today, it's not going to work. I need to read something really light and really easy um, because, you know, I'm just, I don't have the capacity today to do that. So Dawn, do you think, what could you read today? <laughs> not feeling good. Um, I could read like the back of my eyelids today. That's about where I'm at. Not that Dawn's an editor and has to read books today for her job. <laughs> Yes. I've been reading books today and I really did enjoy them, but yes, it's, it's just depends so much on where you're at. And we've talked about that before. We talked about, you know, finding the space in your reading life. We've talked about reading through certain events and just knowing where you're at at that point. And so this is where you really kind of have to pay attention to yourself and what you're in the mood for and what you said going to bring you joy and what's going to make you feel like you've hopped on a roller coaster that you didn't want to be on. Right. And so you're constantly running like an experimental trial in your reading life. You try books and they're either successful or they're not, or they fall somewhere in between. Um, and what we're suggesting you do is pay attention to the details of that. So maybe, I don't know, maybe via a reading journal, we might possibly be fans of that. <laughs> maybe it's just, it's a thing. Great. By the way, you guys, breaking news. I'm trying out a digital reading journal using the day one app. Dawn is a, I don't even know her anymore. <laughs> I don't even know her. I talked a little about it, a little bit about it in my newsletter. If you want to know how to do it, but yeah, I'm, I'm experimenting you guys, um, which is always what you should be doing with your reading life. But, um, so if you are recording what you're reading in any kind of way, you can pull out what you did and didn't like specifically, um, so that you can define the things that are not for you. And, if you're a mood reader, this is especially important because like we said, it might be not for you right now. Um, when I had my son, I could not read what I used to read. I used to read mostly what Dawn reads. I used to read suspense and mystery and um, darker books. I'd, I'd still occasionally read some like interview with a vampire, you know, type books. But when I was home with my son and he was not good at sleeping and I was constantly tired, I needed something different and lighter. And so in that season of my life, um, I switched to YA and I discovered romance because I did not grow up a romance reader. So good job to my son because <laughs> he kind of introduced <laughs> me to a new career. Um, but I read all kinds of like vampire romance for YA. And then I jumped into, oh, I can get the same kind of stories, these vampire romances, but they actually have sex, <laughs> so, which makes it all better. <laughs> right. So I'm going to jump to these adult romances over here because that sounds great. Um, so I changed my reading because of the season of life. And now I've gone back to some darker books and I still have everything in the mix. But at the time, those kind of books were not for me. Dawn, did you have any times in your life that you kind of, it changed your reading? Well, when I was teaching, I could not read YA because yeah. I, I taught high school. I lived YA like every day. <laughs> I taught high school and then I had teenagers mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, no, I can, you can only take so much angst in your world. <laughs> and so that's where I really got into like the thrillers and the suspense and all of that, because it was so different from where I was living every day. Right. You can't take angst, but just murder everyone. <laughs> yeah. Just murder everyone. And anyone who's been a high school teacher for any amount of time. I'm not saying you want to do that, but maybe it just kind of flitters across your mind every now and then. Right, right. Um, I was watching an episode of New Girl last night. I've started them over. I haven't watched them since they originally came out. And uh, she's a teacher in, I think, middle school. And she has a student that's basically bullying her. And it's Zoe Deschanel. So she's like this bright, upbeat, you know, happy teacher. And this girl was picking on her style and everything. And so she ends up really like disliking this girl and messes up her science project. And the principal pulls her aside and she thinks she's going to get disciplined. The principal's like, you're one of us now. We hate, <laughs> we hate them too. <laughs> so it made me think of you, but um, also week to week, your reading mood can change and something could be not for you. So I've read two serial killer books in a row um, in the past week or two. So now I know this week I need something lighter. No more serial killers for a little while for me. 
I love how Ronnie's read two serial killer books in a row and is wondering why she hasn't slept in two days. And having terrible nightmares, you guys, like terrible right. yes. nightmares. <laughs> so, well, and I'm having the opposite of that because I've been editing a lot of contemporary romance recently. And I love my contemporary romance authors and they're amazing, but I've been editing so much of it that I'm like, okay, I love y'all. I need a dead body. Because she needs more murder, always more murder. Can can I get a dead body, big blue alien, bear shifter, something? Right. So if you're reading and you're finding that it's not working for you, um, you should start kind of questioning yourself, like, you know, an interview, basically. You're trying to figure out where you're at with this book. So are you bored? Is it a slog to pick up? Do you keep putting it down and you're just not really excited to get back to it? So maybe you need something more fast paced. Because sometimes you'll think, oh, this book is extra long. So it might just be it's because it's long. No, I read one of the serial killer books I read was 600 pages and I raced through it. Yeah, so it's, I'll probably talk about it in a future episode, but it's A Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule, The True Crime. So, but I went through it in a week and it was literally 600 pages. So if it's, if you're putting it down, it means that there's some issue with it. It's slow or it's not the right time or the mood is wrong. Um, it could be a lot of things. What are some other things, Dawn? Well, one of the things is you've got to care about the characters. And I know we talk about, I'm very plot driven. And there are times that I will read something strictly for the plot Mm -hmm. because I want to know what happened. I want to solve that puzzle, but I still have to care about these characters. And recently I, taking our own DNF advice, I walked away from the book at 47%. It had a fabulous premise. I was completely like, yes, I want to know how this happened. And then it just kind of nosedived. And by 47%, I was like, and it wasn't even that I didn't like them Mm -hmm. because we've talked before that characters don't have to be likable. You can want to set every single one of them on fire, but they have to be compelling. They have to make you feel something. And I didn't care. I didn't care why what had happened had happened. I didn't care who did it. I actually was hoping they put the person that was being wrongfully accused out of all of our misery. (laughs) So it's just one of those that the characters weren't working for me. Yeah. Yeah. And apathy is not something you want to be feeling when you're reading a book that you don't care if everybody just catches on fire. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It was very strange for me, but I was like, yeah, I just... I don't care. I can close this book and not come back to it and not feel guilty and not be curious. And I think that was the main thing. I wasn't curious about how they were going to solve it. Right. Right. And so, you know, that's not, it wasn't a book for you right now. That was just not a book for you. Right. Yeah. So, because it's never going to work that if you don't care what happens to them, you're never going to care. Um, and it might be that, do I like the characters? Is a good question to ask because some of us need to like our characters and some of us don't or some of us need to like them sometimes depending on our mood. So sometimes I can handle a character that I don't like. Um, In that book, we've talked about it a number of times, but in my dreams, I hold a knife by Ashley Winstead. I didn't like the character. Like I wouldn't want to, you don't want to hang out with, I don't want to be friends with her, (laughs) but she was compelling and she had sarcasm and she was interesting. Um, Just like Joe in the book, you by Carolyn Kepnes, he's interesting, even though he's a serial killer. And, you know, just kind of obsesses about women and all this stuff, but there's something interesting about them. But in general, I do prefer to like my characters and to pull for my characters. So it's something that I've learned about myself that I can only take so many unlikable characters. I wouldn't be able to read two books in a row, usually with, you know, unlikable characters. And I don't like a specific kind of unlikable character. How many times can I say those words together? Blah, 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 blah. unlikable (laughs) character. Um, But domestic suspense, I think often doesn't work for me because it often has very unlikable middle-aged women. And maybe that says something personally about me and my own insecurities, (laughs) but that like very caustic or just, you know, cold personality that tends to be in those domestic suspense books I just recoil from that. So, and it happens a lot with book of the month club picks for their suspense. It's why I end up not choosing a lot of their suspense books because they love apparently the unlikable um, heroine and a domestic suspense. But for me, I've learned specifically, that's what I don't like. So that's what we mean by kind of being a detective about 
your reading life, because that's a very narrow margin mm-hmm. of unlikable character. It's not across the board, but in this specific genre, I don't like it. Um, except well, Gone Girl. <laughs> that yes, one worked for me. Of course. Yeah. I can absolutely despise characters because again, I'm feeling something. Mm-hmm. I can absolutely despise them and still want to finish the book because I want to know what happened and I'm still have that curiosity. That's generally when I start what my husband calls hate reading <laughs> or, ra- or rage reading to where I'm just flipping through it. And then every few chapters, I'll like put it down, sigh and be like, okay, so she just did. And he's like, really? And she sends me text as doing this yes. too. Me and another friend, she'll start hate, <laughs> hate reading and texting us about the ridiculous book that she's reading. So yes, but I have to finish it. Not because I'm a finisher and I'm going to torture myself, but because I'm interested and curious enough about the story to finish it. Well, and you're enjoying the hate. Like yes. sometimes yeah. it's fun. It's just like, it's just <laughs> like watching the bad movie. So it's, it has that, like, you can feel like, you know, you see the holes in the plot and you're like, could fix this especially your editor brain is probably like I guess if you would have just come to me yeah. now I will say it's it's fun because my husband will be like what did you did you pay 3.99 for that book if I hand <laughs> you five dollars right now will you stop reading it and I'm like that is so not the point <laughs> you've married me you have been you have agreed <laughs> to listen you signed up for this yes. buddy <laughs> um and another question you can ask is, is there some aspect of the book that's distracting me? So this is often what happens to me with a truly bad book. So maybe it needs stronger writing. They're using the same adjectives over and over and over again. Dear Anne Roll, I loved your book, The Stranger Beside Me. It was so well-written, but if you called him handsome one more time, <laughs> I literally was going to throw the book. <laughs> He was not that good looking. Ted Bundy was not that good looking, you guys. Okay. See, this is me rage reading to all of you. (laughs) See, this is, these are the texts that fly back and forth in case y'all are ever curious. He was not that hot, you guys. Okay. So what is it distracting you? So handsome was distracting me in that book, but it could be you don't like odd story structure. So are they jumping around a timeline or are they, I'm going to, one of my rad wrecks this week is one with an interesting structure. Maybe that would turn you off because you want a traditional structure or you feel the author intruding. So what is author intrusion, Dawn? Do you want to talk about Author that? intrusion, putting on my editor hat, <laughs> author intrusion is anything that reminds the reader they're being told a story and not experiencing that story. Mm-hmm. And so this is where you suddenly will get a bunch of research about this mountain they're climbing that has nothing to do with the actual story, but the author did a lot of time researching the mountain. So she wants to tell you about it. Right. Or you start to get to know things about the author, like political or religious yeah. opinions mm-hmm. that weren't part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. The political one gets me. If I feel authors trying to lecture me politically, I'm out. Like I, I, I don't look for that in my books because we're so surrounded by politics and all of that drama. I am reading to escape that, not yes. to be lectured to again from whatever opinion, whether I even share the opinion, it doesn't even matter. I don't want them right. talking at me. I don't want to know the author is there. Our job as authors is to disappear so that you can disappear into the story. Um, yes. You don't need to know I am there in the background writing the words. So, well, and I think it's a very important distinction to make between the story and the writing. And again, putting on my editor hat, most books that are actually very poorly written are kind of hard to find because they get buried on the bookseller websites and you got to go dig to like, you know, page 12 of your search to find the really poorly unedited books. So when you're looking at this and you're thinking, this isn't working for me, is it the story that's not working? Or like you said, is it the sentence structure? Is it the way it's being told? Is it that they have used the same word 18 times in three pages? And so there's usually, if it's an author you enjoy and you know you like your their writing style, then usually that means there's something in the story that isn't doing mm-hmm. it for you. Right. And if it's a new to you author and something is just grading the wrong way, then it's probably the writing. It's probably yeah. you don't appreciate their style. Yeah. And sometimes you might not know that until you try more than one of their books. So right. I'm not going to mention a certain author, but there is a certain author who writes both suspensey books and has also stepped into romance world. And that author, I really like their suspensey books. I don't like the romance. So it, you know, and it's for different reasons, same writer. And I love the suspense book, 
but it's, it didn't work for me in a different venue. So just, it just depends. And there are some readers for me who they might read only my erotic romance because they have no interest in reading my contemporaries because they only read this kind of book. So you need to know that about yourself. All of these things can teach you something about your reading taste. And at this point, I would also like to put in our, you know, regular public service reminder that if you're not liking a book, even though we're trying to discover things about ourselves, remember you can DNF it. You learn a lot from a DNF. So that is our very first episode is about do not finish is DNF about not finishing books that you don't like. Um, that's why it was important to us. It was so important that we made it our very first episode yes. It is a rough episode. You guys, we were just learning. <laughs> we were newbies, but we were excited, but the information <laughs> is still solid. Um, so it's important, um, that we work that in and DNFs give us rich information to dig into our taste. And at what point you stopped the book, like Dawn at 47%, you were about to hit the halfway point, which is a big turning point of the book. You did not make it to 50%, which means you really didn't care. Yes, I really didn't care. And I know as an, as an editor, part of a huge part of what I do is story structure. So I knew that big turning point was coming up and I was pretty sure I knew what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even interested enough to see if I was right or not, which is very unusual for me. Right, right. <laughs> I've, I DNF'd a book. I might've mentioned it in a previous podcast, not the book itself, but I DNF'd it at 80%. At 80, I was that far in. I was like, I do not give a darn. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to keep it clean, you guys. I did not say darn. <laughs> but I did not care how it ended. I was like, you know what? I'm wasting my life here. <laughs> I'm not liking this. So we thought it'd be fun um, since we're talking about refining your reading taste and kind of figuring out yourself that we share some of ours, that we have a list of a book that was for us, a book that wasn't for me right now, but could be for later or a book that isn't for me ever. So Dawn and I each have one for each category um, that we're going to share. So Dawn, what is your book that was definitely for you? Well, my book that is definitely for me is going to be a little bit of a surprise because it is a romance Wow! and there were no dead bodies in it, <laughs> but it is my favorite half night stand by Christina Lauren. And I needed something snuggly and fun. I had been mm -hmm. editing some super heavy stuff. I had some super heavy life stuff going on. And I was like, I just, I want something fun and I want something that's going to make me laugh and I'm going to feel happy about it. And this is a friends to lovers, which is one of my tropes that I really enjoy. It's a friends to lovers, kind of a mistaken identity rom-com. And I even wrote in my book review at the time, this is exactly what I needed on a dreary afternoon. Yeah. And I've read this book. I will concur with your uh, assessment. <laughs> it was really, really good. And Christina Lauren, their books, their contemporary romances are definitely ones that I can go to as like a sure thing. I think they were on my auto buy list when we did that episode, but I know if I want a certain feeling, which is usually a light, but with depth, um, you know, story that's going to have a sweet romance and just be fun. Um, I can go pick up a Christina Lauren book. I actually have two on my shelf still that I haven't read that I've had for a while because I kind of save them for those moments of like, I need a sure thing. So yes. when I can reach for that, you know, and I know it's already there, but, um, mine is it ends with us by Colleen Hoover. So I'm not going to give you a big kind of summary of the book. I'm going to tell you to look up trigger warnings because it does involve domestic violence um, as a topic. So this is a romance, um, but it's very emotional. It tackles trauma, an important issue. It has really deep characterization and the romance is really well done. So the reason why I'm picking this one is because it hits the points that for me as a reader are like all of my hot button issues. Like I love, and if you read my books, hopefully you get this from my books too, is that I love a romance that has some teeth behind it with emotion. So it's tackling some big emotional or mental health or, you know, relationship issue. That's a, it's not a rom-com. So it's really like, you know, trauma-based or it's, you know, about people that need some extra therapy for stuff. Like it's a little bit darker um, than a standard rom-com or anything like that. And this book did it fabulously. It handled a topic that would be very difficult to write about. This is not a topic that I've been able to tackle in a book. So she did it in a really respectful way, but also realistic way. Um, and it, it's a tearjerker, you know, it's, it's got good ending. It's still romance, but it's, it's definitely one that runs you through the ringer, but that is my jam. So 
that's why this book fell on the it's going to always be for me kind of book. So that's It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. Um, and I'm sure most of y'all have heard of her because she's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, she's like everywhere. And we have actually met her. She's adorable. Yeah. So, so. and Dom, what is your book that wasn't for you at the time you first tried to, to read it, but then it became a book for you later? Um, mine, and I think I've mentioned this one before, is Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. Mm-hmm. First time I picked it up, I could not get into it. Like, I think I read two or three chapters and I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. I can't focus on this because you have to focus. It is a, you have to focus book. And then um, peer pressure (laughs) was like, no, but you have to read it. It's so good. You have to, have to read it. And then I had a time where again, things had shifted and everything wasn't so heavy. And I had, I think like a day and a half where I was like, oh, I've got some free time. And I just inhaled that book. Yeah. And it is one of, it's on our uh, rad reading list that we keep on the website. So Mm -hmm. if you don't know on the rad reading podcast website, there is a running list of all of our rad recs. And Mm -hmm. it was one of my rad recs because it is really good. And I would have missed out on that if I hadn't gone back to it. Yeah. Yeah. That one takes a little bit to get into, but once it gets going, you cannot put it down. So yeah. And my next one that a book that was wasn't for me originally, but is now a book for me, by the way, I will just preface this now by saying, this is how tired I am. I just said that I would talk about the stranger beside me in a future episode. No, it's this one. My notes are in front of me. I made these notes yesterday. (laughs) I need sleep. (laughs) Okay. So the book that wasn't for me originally was the stranger beside me by Ann roll. So I bought this book. I looked it up. I bought it three years ago. So, or three and a half years ago. Um, I was going through a big, like true crime phase. I had recently read I'll be gone in the dark by Michelle McNamara, which is also on our red rec list. Um, and it was so like dark and emotional and just intense that after I read that book, I was like, I know I want more of true crime, but I can't take more now. Like that book rung me out. And I was like, I need really fluffy stuff for a long time. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I can't go back to something this, um, kind of dark for a while. So I put it on my shelf and let it sit there. And then this week, um, this past week, I picked it up because I read the book that's going to be my rad reading rec in a minute. And it made me think of this book. So I'm like, I have that book. I'm going to go grab it. So if you don't know, um, A Stranger Beside Me is Anne Rule's true crime book. It was written, I think in 1980. So it's been around. It's one of the kind of quote unquote, modern classics of true crime. Um, if you don't know the setup, so Ted Bundy was a serial killer in the seventies, a very, uh, I hate to say the word prolific because it makes it sound good. It, it was, he killed a lot of, a lot of people. Um, but he worked with Ann rule at a crisis hotline. And so they Which were is just insane. It's crazy. They were friends and these Washington state murders were going on. And she was a writer with the police department. Like she would write up summaries of cases and stuff for them. And she got a book contract to write about the Washington murders while she was working at the crisis line with Ted Bundy, who was doing the Washington murders. And he knew she had a contract to write the book. It is crazy bananas that this happened. And so it goes through, it's a 600 page book. Like I mentioned, it goes through from the very beginning, um, all of his different crimes and also Ann Rule's experience that she kept in touch with him through that whole time, all the way through to the end, you know, when he was going to the electric chair um, and she believed in his innocence for a long, long time, which that is a frustrating part of the book. Like she still stood by him and it wasn't like wholeheartedly. She, she was cautious, but she still like, couldn't let herself believe. And I don't know, I'm not in her shoes. If you were with somebody and you saw them at the crisis hotline and made friends with them, it's probably very hard to believe, you know, and sociopaths can be very, very convincing. So Um, but it was so interesting to read a true crime book that was like from the inside of, you know, she was seeing the inside of the investigation, but also she knew him. So she saw the social side of him. She saw the side that he showed society. Um, it is very compelling read. It is very dark. So it did give me nightmares, like legitimate nightmares. So if you are sensitive to that, maybe move along or just watch one of the many, many documentaries, um, (laughs) or reenactments. There's a bunch of different ones. Um, for this, but it was, it was compelling. And she is a very good writer. I kind of expected it to show its age that it was in 1980. 
and it really didn't. Her writing was pretty strong, except for the ex- the extensive use of the word handsome. <laughs> and she repeated a couple of times that she was not romantically interested in him because she was like 10 years older. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> but you're saying he's handsome a you lot. really into his handsomeness. <laughs> I just feel like that book would have me side-eyeing everybody I hang out with. Like, yeah, I, I can't even imagine. I feel like I have a good liar radar just in general, like in life. <laughs> but maybe I don't, I don't know, but I, I get, I can pick up people with narcissism, like that narcissistic personality disorder thing. I can pick up that. And that might just be from being a therapist and things, but I would hope I would have sent something off, but who knows, who knows? Um, Dawn, don't read this book as much as you like, you need to watch this oh, documentaries. No. Cause this, this was scary. It was scary. Cause you know, it's true. Like it, it makes it even worse. Cause all of the horror movies. I was like, this is why all the horror movies were made in the seventies because he snatched hitchhikers. He stalked people. He had a like van at some point, you know, like it was all like the, (laughs) it was all the cautionary tales of like, Mm -hmm. or he would ask people to come help him fix his tire. He faked a broken arm so that they would help him. Like all of these things. I'm like, this is why we had slashers in the seventies because all (laughs) these stories were going on and these killers were doing these things, but I digress. So Dawn, what is a book that's never going to be for you? Oh, this is going to be such an unpopular opinion, but (laughs) that's okay. We love those. (laughs) The book that is never going to be for me that I actually read, I actually read the entire thing. And you want to talk about some rage reading. There were some texts going back and forth (laughs) during this one. And that is One of Us is Lying by Karen M. McManus. It has over 500,000 reviews on Goodreads. I think Hulu just turned it into a series and it was touted as the breakfast club meets pretty little liars. So I'm like, yes, I am here for this. It is five kids get detention and one of them literally dies in the room while they're in detention. So like I bought it hardback. I would so wanted to read this book. And as I mentioned, I struggled with YA because I was living in that world And as a teacher, I could not let go of, there are several things that happen that would not happen in a high school. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like, it just wouldn't happen in my high school where I taught. It wouldn't happen because it's illegal. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it wouldn't happen in high school. And one of the things, I don't want to spoil anything, but one of the, the main catalyst for everything else that happened is something that would not reasonably happen in a high school class. Mm -hmm. So I really struggled with that. I I tried to, okay, I'm going to set that aside. Just just let that part go. And then something else popped up. That's a major thing that wouldn't happen because of policies and regulations. And I'm like, okay. And then I noticed that it is told in first person through several different POVs. And I noticed all the voices started to sound the same to me. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, okay, this isn't for me. I'm going to go ahead and finish it because I did want to know what had happened. Right. And I have opinions about that too. (laughs) So I know that this was a well-loved book. Lots of people thoroughly enjoyed it. It's just never going to be one that I'm going to recommend. Yeah. Yeah. And mine is um, The Push by Ashley Audrain. This also, it has a 4.11 rating on Goodreads. It was a book of the month pick. Um, so it's for a lot of people, a lot of people really loved this book. Um, but it falls into that sort of domestic suspense category for me. So it's a mom, she has this baby and she doesn't feel really connected to the child and the child as the child grows, you know, is kind of mean to her or like does things that, you know, she's, and you can't quite tell if you have an unreliable narrator, if it's really the kid, that's the problem. And that whole, like, she couldn't attach to her thing is already like a issue for me. Like, I just don't, I don't like that whole zone. I just, I don't know. It's just a trigger button for me, but the characters are really unlikable. It's very grim, like very grim about parenthood and just the whole, I don't know. It was slow and they have an incident. I'm not going to say what it is because, um, it is a, spoiler but please please check the trigger warnings it's worse it's worse than the dog dying so <laughs> if i'll leave it at that but um it i made it to the 50 percent mark um and when that that issue happened 
Um, I was like, I do not read to be upset this way. So it is not for me. I understand it's well-written. I understand a lot of people loved it, but like, I was not here for it. I could not like, that is not what I read for. It was unenjoyable. So right. like we talked about, like I was not enjoying the process. And I think grim is one of those words that I like dark, but I don't like grim for the sake of grim. So right. and that's a very yes. fine distinction that probably only I can figure out for my own reading, but there is a difference for me between a dark book and something that's just like the world is a grim, terrible place. Like, I don't want that feeling when I read a book. So that one's never going to be for me, but I did donate it to the library. So it could be for somebody else. Yes. <laughs> you can spread it to somebody else. Well, and for us, because we both do read dark stuff. Like I read dark romance, mm-hmm. you read your horror stuff. And so if it on our scale is worse than a dog dying, right? it's bad guys. Right. It's just bad. <laughs> and I, and I don't mean that it's a bad book. I mean that that incident is just horrific. Yes. So. Yes, it, it is. And Dawn, after this podcast <laughs> closes, remind me to tell you what that is. <laughs> oh, I know you texted me. Oh, okay. You, yeah. You texted me. If anybody happened. else wants to know, you can private message us on, on uh, Facebook, but I'm sure it's in the trigger warnings online, but I just, I don't check sometimes the trigger warnings because I don't want spoilers, but then it's like, it's that dance. You know, we talked about trigger warnings versus spoilers. All right. So turning from books that weren't for us, we're going to go to our regular feature that we have, which is our rad reading rec of the week. Now these are books that we just unequivocally loved and we want to pass along as recommendations to you. A good way to find out if one of us is your book twin is to go to that rad reading rec page, like Dawn said, and you can see, I have them all listed and it says Ronnie's Rex and Dawn's Rex. So you can see which ones you match up with. Um, and you can find, you know, who you can trust for your recommendations for your personal taste. So Dawn, what is your rad reading rec this week? Okay, let's see if I can say this. My rad reading rec this week. <laughs> Good job. Uh, is a book that it's definitely, it's either for you or it's not for you. And I was kind of on the fence about it once I started reading it. And then you just get sucked completely into it. And that is The Chalk Man by CJ Tudor. And this was actually a Christmas gift from um, Ronnie one year. Mm-hmm. And we read it with our other friend and the three of us all had very interesting reactions to it, but it is excellently written, very lyrical. And the issue with the the lyrical writing is every now and then your brain skips over some of the weirdness. And then you're suddenly like, wait, what did he just say? And you have to go back. (laughs) So it is about Eddie and his friends. It is um, starts in 1986 and Eddie and his friends are middle schoolers basically and they go around this village and they have this little code where they draw chalk stick figures and it directs them to the secret hideout or whatever and then one day it directs them right to a dismembered body and so it's told going back and forth to 2016 where Eddie is completely fully grown now thinks that all of that is behind him and he gets a letter in the mail that um, has a chalk figure in it Mm. and that turns out that all of his friends are getting the same letter and they're kind of like okay what's happening here and then one of them turns out turns up dead Mm. and so it's this great mystery of what happened back then what happens here and like I said excellent writing so if you read it hit us up on social media because you're going to want to talk about it especially when you get to the end what did I think about this book? You remember what I thought about it? Cause now I have no, I don't remember. Did I like it or not? Like I think, it? I think we all enjoyed it. I think we all felt a little bit different about the ending in particular. Okay. I'll have to look so. at my reading journal. Cause I don't, I, I don't remember books y'all. I, I could reread books and probably forget that I read it, but I do. I remember liking that the setup was dual timeline with, it gives you that vibe of like it or you know, that kind of going back to the eighties with stranger things. And, you know, just, I love mm-hmm. that kind of like eighties vibe um, and looking back. So mine this week is the serial killer book I referred to earlier. It is the nothing man by Catherine Ryan Howard. If you listen to our episode, you know, that I recently recommended 56 days by her. So then I went back and got this one. Um, and I liked this one even more than 56 days. And I really liked 56 days. So this one is, um, it has an interesting structure, which I love a book with a different structure. Like that's a thing I actually really enjoy and seek out, but 
the structure of this one is you get the serial killer's POV. Um, so his point of view, you have chapters from his point of view. And then he is, the, his killings were like 20 years ago. So now he's in his sixties and he's like working as like a security officer at like a mall, you know, or a shopping center. So he's kind of living this sad, you know, life he's married, he's got a kid, but it's just like kind of this blah life. But 20 years ago, he was a serial killer and a book comes out a true crime book about his unsolved killings comes out from one of his victims that escaped. So she was a child um, when her whole family was murdered. So her sister and her parents were murdered while she was home. And she happened to be, I think in the bathroom or something. So she didn't, um, he didn't know she was there. So she's writing this true crime book. So in the actual book, you get his POV chapters, and then you get the actual true crime book that she's written, like the chapters. And I think they said in the print copy, they even put like the header is a different author. Like her name is the author at the top with the page numbers in the Kindle version. You don't see that, but kind of cool. Like it formats it like you're reading a different book. Um, and that book, the true crime book read very much like I'll be gone in the dark. And afterwards, after reading this, I went and listened to um, an episode on Sarah's bookshelves live where she interviewed the author and she said she was directly inspired by I'll be gone in the dark. So that you do feel the connection. And so it actually was there, but, um, so this guy was kind of a golden state killer type. Um, and he's reading, he goes and gets the book. He sees it in the shopping center and he buys the book to read what she said about him basically. And you, you know, you feel the suspense of, is he going to slip up? You know, something, is he going to get caught? It's making him mad because she's saying these things about him and some, you know, he thinks are untrue or he's being betrayed. So there's this like tension building between the two of them. And what I loved about it was that uh, first it was legit scary. So it did give me nightmares. <laughs> so do not read it alone late at night. Um, the fictional it's on the no dawn list. <laughs> yes. It's the fictional, the fictional quote, true crime parts um, were the scary parts. It was like reading, I'll be gone in the dark, which was terrifying. So, um, but what I liked was that the serial killer in this book was not portrayed as the handsome genius. Like he was just this mopey, you know, guy with this kind of bland, miserable life who was a killer. Um, but it wasn't like he was so exceptionally smart. He got lucky in a lot of ways. Um, and so like in the true crime book, when she's saying like, he wasn't that smart or something like he would get insulted, you know? And um, <laughs> so he's, you know, just portrayed in a way that's not Hannibal Lecter. You know, I feel like sometimes books glorify the serial killer. They glorify how smart, how clever, how handsome or whatever they that this is the opposite. So it almost feels like he's getting stalked by her via the book. So it like reverses the, the paradigm. I really, really loved it. I gave it five stars. I'm now going to read everything Catherine Ryan Howard has written. Her, she has a backlist. <laughs> so I went and got her books from the library. Um, but if you like a good suspense novel um, with an interesting structure, it, and it's set in Ireland too, which gives it also an interesting kind of twist because it's just a different police system and you know, all of right. that. So, um, but that's the nothing man by Catherine Ryan Howard, which is a lot of words to say, but all right, you guys, we made it through our episode. We did not fall asleep. Don right. did not have to run away. to. <laughs> Don managed to hold down our yes. lunch. It's going to be a good day. We got this. <laughs> right. And only one fire truck and the dog stayed sleeping the whole time. I know. I'm so, so Penny has been sitting here snoring. So I hope y'all, hopefully Ronnie can edit that out. But if you hear something that sounds like, you know, a garbage truck going by, that's just my dog. She's just, she's just tired. Right. So, but thank you for listening to us. Yes. And we hope you have, I believe this comes out on Friday before Easter. So have a great Easter weekend if you celebrate that. And we will be back in two weeks. So thanks, you guys. And until then, we hope every book you pick up is rad reading. Dawn, how do you feel about Matter of Taste? Um, do you feel like you have... I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've lost the thread. <laughs> okay. We are off to a fabulous start. <laughs> <laughs> I could just feel it drifting away from me. La la la. <sighs> okay, let's start. <laughs>